The purpose of this program is not to prescribe a treatment to individuals. Listeners should consult their healthcare practitioner before attempting any treatment. Good morning and welcome to Health Watch. I'm Dr. David Naiman, your host. Women are often told that weight gain, sleeplessness, diminished sex drive, hair loss, fatigue, and depression are unavoidable parts of getting older. That sleeping pills, hormone replacement therapy, and antidepressants are the only answer. Today's guest, Dr. Sarah Gottfried, an MIT and Harvard-trained physician, board-certified gynecologist, and nationally recognized yoga teacher, disagrees. Gottfried has developed a protocol to help women take control of their hormones, primarily using therapies that do not require a prescription and which have been supported by the best scientific evidence. She's here today on Health Watch to talk about this and her new book, The Hormone Cure, Reclaim Balance, Sleep, Sex Drive, and Vitality Naturally with the Gottfried Protocol. Welcome to Health Watch, Dr. Sarah Gottfried. Thank you, Dr. Neiman. So happy to be with you. So there's a lot of research now that women, when they go to the doctor, more often have their symptoms dismissed than men. And you mentioned some here um, that it's not normal to feel fatigued, anxious, and irritable, say, in middle age. But often, I would guess, uh, a woman going with those symptoms is going to be taken perhaps less seriously than a man. Can you, can you talk a little bit about um, why it's not normal to be having those symptoms? Sure. You know, I really believe that we're facing an epidemic of hormone imbalance. Most folks have a hormone imbalance and don't know it, and this applies to both men and women. But I I think with a number of different factors, what's happened is that as women face these problems especially, and we know that women are much more likely to be anxious, depressed, have trouble sleeping. In fact, they have about double the rate of insomnia as men do. They have more autoimmune conditions. They struggle with pregnancy and kind of the aftermath of pregnancy. When they have those issues, I just I think they often get dismissed or told something like, you're just stressed or you're just getting older. And it's not just middle-aged, David. It's, it's also women who are in their 20s and their 30s, you know, maybe women who are starting to face those early symptoms of perimenopause you know, where your ovaries start to run out of ripe eggs around 35. So this applies across many different ages. And I want to turn that around. I want to change the conversation we're having about hormones because the truth is if you figure out the reason why you feel fat, cranky, don't want to have sex, or maybe feel overwhelmed, if you go to the root cause, you're going to have a sustained benefit. You're not going to be craving the wine or hearing jungle drums if you don't chocolate in your mouth. You're going to feel so much better when you take charge of your health hormones and happiness. And I would imagine if somebody goes to the doctor saying they're feeling fatigued and they're, they leave with a prescription without a lot of questions asked that the root cause hasn't really been looked for yet. You got it. I mean, I, I love your background as well, David, and I think you and I are probably on a similar page about this. What I find is that the people who come to see me who have fatigue or maybe have some mild depression or they just feel like they're pushing a rock up a hill and they wish it weren't the case, when they see their local physician, often they get offered an antidepressant or maybe the latest anxiety medication or a sleeping pill if they're having trouble with disrupted sleep or they can't wind down at night. And I would say that's exactly the wrong treatment. You know, if we just take depression for a moment, 
we know that 50% of people with depression have high cortisol levels. Now, that's the lovely stress hormone that we want to have in the Goldilocks position of not too high, not too low. And 20% of them have low thyroid function. So I think there's a certain number of hormones that we really want to pay attention to and get into that sweet spot of not too high, not too low. Well, before we talk about some of these individual hormones, can we talk a little bit more about why women are more vulnerable to these imbalances? You, you say men are, are vulnerable too, but you mentioned women having much more anxiety, having more sleep problems, having more autoimmune diseases. I know they have way more thyroid problems than, than men. What is the reason or do we know the reason why women suffer so much more from uh, hormone imbalances causing these symptoms? There's a number of factors. You know, some of them I think are well proven. I don't think we have the full story yet on why exactly women are more vulnerable. But some of the headlines here are, number one, women get pregnant, right? So that's a big one because, you know, I can tell you when I was in my 30s and I was pregnant with my two daughters, we know that pregnancy amplifies the demands on a woman, especially nutritional demands and hormonal demands. And when I got pregnant with my two daughters, I was in that place where I was burning a candle at both ends. I was working as an OBGYN. In fact, at that time, I was working at a health maintenance organization. And I was seeing about 30 patients a day. I just was, you know, kind of working all day, delivering babies at night, and wasn't taking care of myself the way that I could have been. I definitely had a major problem with my cortisol levels. And my cortisol was so high that it was impacting my thyroid function. So you can start to see how women are more vulnerable because of the demands of pregnancy. So that's, that's one example. Another is estrogen. We know that for women who are 35 to 50 years of age, somewhere around 50 to 80% of those women have something called estrogen dominance. And that's basically where the tango between estrogen and progesterone is not quite what we want, and there's more estrogen compared to progesterone. So that can set you up for a number of problems. It can impact your, your risk of autoimmune disease, and we know that the number one reason why women have slow thyroid is because of autoimmune thyroiditis, where your immune system attacks your thyroid. So that's a couple of examples. I just think one other piece is that Women are more vulnerable in the dance with stress. And this, you know, this is like a gigantic topic that I'm going to just give you a couple of of quick little comments about. But we know that men and women deal with stress differently. And the system, the control system for how we react to stress, which is the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, or HPA, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to have a brief science moment here and not make it too torturous. We know that women are way more vulnerable when it comes to the HPA. So when it's overly activated, when women are hypervigilant, you know, they're maybe raising children, working, trying to lean in, as Sheryl Sandberg would have them do, they're struggling, they're churning, and it increases the risk of premenstrual syndrome, it increases the risk of polycystic ovarian syndrome, and unfortunately, when you have too much cortisol, too much of the stress hormones, 
it can impact your memory, your ability to focus. It gives you more belly fat. It raises your blood pressure. So there's all these downstream effects. In case you just tuned in, we're talking today with Dr. Sarah Gottfried, the author of The Hormone Cure. Uh, Sarah, you you mentioned earlier about the age period of 35 to 50 and estrogen dominance as, as a, a syndrome. And you also mentioned in the book that the period of 35 to 50 for women is a time period when they uh, have the least psychological well-being. Uh, at least in studies, they've shown that it's less likely you're going to have psychological well-being between those ages. Do you correlate the two, that the, it's the estrogen dominance? Because I know you also mentioned um, one of the, your yoga teachers, I think it was Ayengar, that um, mentions different phases of life and how we, we, we're going through different time periods um, than maybe we had done traditionally. Yeah, what a great question. You know, I, I, I think when I was churning myself, when I was struggling with what I had on my dashboard when I was 35 years old, and I found out that my cortisol was about three times what it should have been in the morning, and I fixed it. It took me about a month to fix it. But at the time, I went and saw my doctor and got offered Prozac. So when I was struggling with that, I started to look into, okay, why is life so hard between the ages of 35 and 50? And there's many different reasons. There's what I would call the perfect storm hormonally. And what I mean by that is there's three main hormones that you really want to pay attention to as a woman. They're kind of the Pareto's principle, you know, sort of the 20% of effort yields 80% of the results when you pay attention to these three hormones. And they are your cortisol estrogen, and thyroid. And for the guys who are listening, I consider it the three amigos, cortisol, testosterone, thyroid. But what's happening here is that there's chaos happening with all three of those hormonal systems. So your ovaries are starting to run out of ripe eggs. That means your progesterone is lower. I think of progesterone as being nature's Valium, and it can impact your sleep. You know, you might start waking up between 2 and 4 a.m., or maybe you can't drink like you used to be able to drink. All of these things conspire to get your hormones out of balance. And I even have a quiz that we can offer to our listeners for free if they want to see if this is an issue for them. There's also a a social and psychological element, which you alluded to with Iyengar and these four stages of life. We know that in the ancient wisdom traditions, and you're an expert, David, in Chinese medicine. So I would love to hear what you have to say about this as well. We know that for women in their 20s, I think 28 in Chinese medicine is considered sort of the optimal age hormonally. And then things start to shift. So in conventional medicine, we think of women at age 24 as being kind of the perfect hormonal specimen. And if you're not managing some of these hormones in a proactive way, it's very likely that you're going to start to fall down a hormonal flight of stairs. So that's what I want to prevent. But the social element that I talk about in my book is that we're wired to be what Iyengar would call students for a certain length of time. And then we're wired sometime in our 20s or 30s to be householders, you know, to raise children if we decided to do that. And then right around age 42, we're really wired archetypally to be forest dwellers, to be seekers, to be, you know, kind of connecting to the truth. 
and then at a later stage in your 60s to be what's called a sadhu, kind of a renunciate. And I, you know, I, I was half joking about this, but I was just making the point that everyone I know who's 42 years old, I'm now 46, but when I was 42, I would definitely say it just felt like we all wanted to be forest seekers. And many of us had kids, you know, we certainly didn't have them at age 24. And so instead of being forest seekers, we're um, going to soccer practice and doing some of the things that maybe don't feed our soul quite the way that being a forest seeker could. So hopefully that makes sense. I'm just trying to kind of knit together some of the, the reasons why women feel like crap between the ages of 35 and 50. Well, that, I, I think that does make sense. And I would imagine, say, you had a baby at 38, that you would need to pay extra attention to your hormone balance because of that happening at that time period rather than when you're 20. You got it. So when you have a pregnancy a little later, as I did, you want to really be thinking about these three hormones in particular, you know, the the, what I call the hormonal Charlie's Angels, your cortisol, estrogen, and thyroid, because you've got this overlap between perimenopause and the aftermath of pregnancy. And for the, the folks who are listening to us who've had a baby, you know that after you have a baby, it's like reversible menopause. Your hormones go from sky high in pregnancy, you deliver this beautiful baby and the placenta, and your hormones go from high to nothing, and that can be a pretty abrupt change. It can also be a preview of coming attractions, a preview of perimenopause and menopause for you. So you mentioned three hormones that you particularly focus on, and the first one, cortisol. Uh, I think we should talk further about particularly because if people listening today go to, their, uh, to an average conventional doctor, they're not going to be necessarily equipped to test or to address cortisol because this is sort of a, a gap within conventional medicine in terms of assessment. Can you, can you talk a little bit about what it means? Like you mentioned this scenario of somebody yourself with really high cortisol at one point, and then there's also the issue that a lot of people hear of, of adrenal fatigue or adrenal burnout, which is related to cortisol also. So I, I would love to hear um, some contextualization about how someone would find help around cortisol, and then what are some of the common treatments that you use? Oh, sure. Yeah. So a couple of things I would say about this. You know, the interesting part about cortisol and all hormones is that there's a problem called hormone resistance. And I, I feel like your listeners are quite sophisticated, David, so I'm going to just get into the more complicated stuff right here at the beginning. So it turns out that testing your cortisol levels might be a little overinflated. And I think it's actually way more important to start with your own experience, your own symptoms of what could be mapped out to being high cortisol or low cortisol or even both within the same day. So I'll give you a few examples of this, and this is from Chapter 1 in my book. Do you have or have you experienced in the past six months a feeling that you're constantly racing from one task to the next, feeling wired yet tired, a struggle to calm down before bedtime, or a second wind that keeps you up late, difficulty falling asleep or disrupted sleep, feeling anxious or nervous, can't stop worrying about things beyond your control, a quickness to feel anger or rage. So I've got a long list of different symptoms, and for your listeners who are interested in 
trying to understand if cortisol is an issue, I would encourage you to, to do my free quiz. Can I mention that, David? And then I'll get into yeah, of course. what you do about it. So here's the free quiz. It's the hormonecurebook.com forward slash quiz. The hormonecurebook.com forward slash quiz. And the idea is that it's a short version of the 122 questions that I have in my book and that I use in my practice. So I still think it's worthwhile to do some testing. And I even offered in my book, in the appendix, some scripts for how you can talk to your conventional doctors who might be looking at you a little bug-eyed when you go to them and you say, hey, I'm tired but wired, I feel mildly depressed, and my PMS is getting worse. How about we measure my cortisol level? So I have some scripts for you so that you can get them on board. I also have more than 2,000 studies that I addressed for my book so that you have proof. You've got the street cred behind you to um, try to get your doctor to be a partner in this work. So what do we do about it? Once we figure out, you know, let's just take on high cortisol because that's sort of a simpler one to take on. I'm a big fan of all of our listeners figuring out, okay, here's my top three list of how I'm going to hit the pause button. And we all have different ways of doing that. You know, I became a yoga teacher because I find that that's a really effective system for me, but certainly that doesn't work for all of my people. I have a lot of folks who work with me online who just say, you know, don't even talk to me about yoga. I can't sit through a yoga class. So I've got many other strategies for how you can do this. I'm a big fan of heart math. They have a new program called Inner Balance. It's a free app on the iPhone that you can connect to a sensor that costs about $99, and it measures your stress response. And it's been shown when you train with these heart math techniques that it lowers your cortisol 23%. That's totally cool. So that's those are a few strategies there. Orgasm is one of my favorites. I don't know how you know rated G. I need to keep this, David. But no, that, that's fine. <laughs> Another solution, and I imagine you have a long list here too because you've got a deep experience here. Phosphatidylserine. Phosphatidylserine. I love PS because it's proven to lower cortisol in both men and women. I usually prescribe about 400 milligrams a day for people who work with me online or in my practice. And it's, it's just really effective at helping you feel better inside of an hour. It helps your mood. It takes you from feeling reactive and angry to feeling a lot more resilient. So uh, I, I wanted to, to also talk to you about the way you've structured the, the hormone cure around using uh, only therapies that have a, a good deal of scientific credibility behind them. Uh, and, and you use hormone therapy in, in the hormone cure. You don't just use things that are, that are affecting hormones, but you, you, you say to be skeptical of hormones. And I, I, I subscribe to that same opinion that we should, we should, you know, don't use them as the as first line of therapy. And, and given certainly what happened with hormone replacement therapy, and breast cancer risk, we should really pause before we use them. But my question for you is, you, you do have a section on, on estrogen, and, um, and sometimes we'll use uh, hormone replacement of a bio, bioidentical nature. How good is the research on the safety of bioidentical hormones? Um, is it good enough in your mind? I do think it's good enough. I mean, I imagine you have a similar experience where you really make a decision in partnership with a woman 
about hormone therapy or a man. You know, we're also talking about things like testosterone therapy in men. I think it's so important to make an individualized decision. What I do is I build out a dashboard of the risks and benefits, and we figure out kind of based on that person who's, who's working with me whether it makes sense to proceed with hormone therapy, given what we know and what we don't know. So, you know, if you're asking about kind of the current state of evidence, here's what I would say about that. You're right that I really believe that you want to start not by diving into the latest estrogen patch together with bioidentical progesterone, but I I think you need to start first with the lifestyle changes. So step one of the Gottfried Protocol, which is what most of my book is about, is to address the how you eat, move, think, and supplement because that has really been shown to move the needle and to do it safely for women who are trying to get their hormones in balance. Step two is proven botanical therapies. And, oh, my gosh, Chinese medicine is just full of many therapies that have been well proven to be effective for balancing your hormones, including estrogen. And then step three, only if those first two steps don't work, is to go to the bioidentical hormones. So where are we with estrogen? You're right that I would say out of all the chapters in my book, and I've got a chapter on the top seven hormone imbalances that I see in my practice, everything from problems with cortisol to problems with thyroid to problems with testosterone and estrogen. So definitely women with low estrogen. So we're talking now about women 40 to 55-plus. That's the one situation where I am more likely to need to lean on bioidentical hormones. But we're still in a place with the evidence where I think we want the lowest doses and for the shortest duration. And it gets to this issue that I mentioned earlier of hormone resistance. And I wonder if you've had this experience, David, where I will often start a woman on hormone therapy. We've tried step one and step two of the Gottfried Protocol. Now we're in step three because she's maybe still got mood issues or she's just feeling more flat or sex drive is low. Maybe she'd rather mop the floor than have sex with her husband. And we're trying to figure out, okay, what do we need to do hormonally? And often I'll start hormone therapy at the lowest dose and she'll notice a big difference. You know, maybe get giggly. (laughs) She hasn't been giggly for a long time. Maybe starts to feel alive again. Maybe her vagina starts to get more lubricated and sex becomes more fun again. She has more toe-curling orgasms. But then over time, you know, maybe three months later, she actually needs the dose increased because she feels like she's adjusted to that dose. And that is the phenomenon of hormone resistance. It happens with estrogen, with progesterone, cortisol, thyroid. So I, I like to be really careful and thoughtful about having a strategy with hormone therapy where you're not just going on some dose of bioidenticals and then ratcheting up the dose over time because we know that that's not a good idea. So another complicating factor is that all of these hormones affect each other. You mentioned in your own personal case that living a life of high cortisol and high stress and, and maybe overworking eventually led the adrenal issue eventually led to a thyroid issue. Can you explain a little bit about how those interplay with each other? Oh, sure. Yes. I would even say I'm a recovering cortisol junkie. <laughs> so how do, these, how do these hormones crosstalk? You know, when I'm talking about these hormones being 
your hormonal Charlie's Angels and how we want all of them to work for you, not against you. I'm referring to the way that they depend on each other. So, for example, if you have high cortisol, like I did in my 30s, it will slow down your thyroid function. It'll prevent what's known as the conversion of the storage thyroid hormone, which is T4, into the free active thyroid hormone, which is known as free T3. So it, it basically tells, it's, it's almost like a text message when you're a stress case. It's a text message to your thyroid to dial down, slow down the metabolism. Don't burn calories as fast. You also get the same text message from your cortisol to your, your ovaries. Slow it down. Don't ovulate. You need to conserve energy. And for men, it's, it's also to their gonads, to their testicles. It's almost as if you have a tiger chasing after you, and your body is going into triage and saying, okay, let's lay down fat where we can use it as fuel easily. Let's put it at the belly. Let's raise the blood pressure. Let's raise insulin. And uh, let's slow down your ability to burn calories. So that's the connection between cortisol and thyroid. And then it can also cause estrogen dominance through a few different mechanisms. But one of the things with high cortisol is that it, it blocks your progesterone receptors. And I'm sure our folks know what I'm talking about here, but um, just to make sure we're all on the same page, I think of the receptor for a hormone as being like the lock on the door of a cell. And you can jam that lock which is what hormone resistance is. So insulin resistance, for instance, is where you've jammed the lock, the cell becomes numb to insulin. Same sort of thing with cortisol, with thyroid, with estrogen, with progesterone. Dr. Gottfried, so, unfortunately, I'm going to jump in because we're, we're running out of time and we only have a couple minutes left. And I, I just wanted to have you um, talk about a, a statement that you say in The Hormone Cure about meeting your cure in the middle. And I would, I would love if you'd end with that and maybe your final thoughts for our listeners today uh, who may be suffering from hormone imbalances. Sure. Well, what I mean by that is I really want for our listeners to take charge of their health. I don't want you to turn your power over to your conventional doctor. The way that you are most likely to create a cure is not in the bottle of, of some prescription pills. It's actually with how you eat, move, think, and supplement. So when you take those things on, when you apply what I've described as the Gottfried Protocol, you find the root cause of why you don't feel like you're living your best life, and then you apply these natural solutions, that's how you meet your cure in the middle. And we should mention again your questionnaires. With that real emphasis on on these thorough questionnaires versus lab testing, it feels like uh, a a potential patient could go a long way in, in figuring out where they want to start from the book itself. Definitely, definitely. So the short version of what's in the book is at the hormonecurebook.com forward slash quiz. Great. Well, it was great having you on Health Watch today, Dr. Gottfried. My pleasure, Dr. Nyman. Thanks for having me. We were talking today with Dr. Sarah Gottfried, the author of The Hormone Cure, Reclaim Balance, Sleep, Sex Drive, and Vitality Naturally with the Gottfried Protocol. Stay tuned for the rest of the Monday morning radio zine. 
Next up is Madness Radio with host Will Hall at News and Views from Outside the Realm of Mental Health. 